Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Genesis, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, family. It's where we started last week. Now, for some people, maybe even many of you, family is everything. It's the people that you are the closest to, the people that you spend the most time with. It's the people that you know the best, whether it's your parents, your sibling, your spouse, your children, those who you live with under the same roof for years and years and years. They are the ones who mean the most to you. And when family shares the common faith in Jesus Christ, well, maybe you've heard it before, that the family that prays together stays together. A family that knows the love that God has for them and shares that love with one another is a family that is doing all right. But what if that isn't your family? And what if you're sitting here today thinking... Family is everything to you, until it isn't. And that's because a family is nothing more than a group of people who are connected to one another by blood or adoption who are sinners. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. And sometimes our, not, our family is not this picture-perfect image From the beginning. Sometimes our families did not pray together. Sometimes our family was made up of people who did not have the same faith. Sometimes we were not the closest to our family, even though we lived under the same roof. Sometimes we do not have the best relationship with our parents, our siblings, our children, even our spouse. Sometimes our family was even missing some of those pieces that make a family a family. A dad who we never knew. A mother who abandoned us. Children who hated us. Siblings who wanted to kill us. Or maybe that's us. Maybe we're the ones who abandoned our family. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Maybe we hated our parents. Maybe we wanted to kill our siblings. Families aren't perfect. We're not this cookie-cutter picture of perfection where nothing ever goes wrong. And everyone is happy all the time, and we all get along every single day. And that's because we're sinners. And we all sin. And today's families are no different than the families of old. And we see that again today. Last week we saw the youngest son, Jacob, steal the blessing from his father, Isaac, with the help of his mother, Rebecca, that was supposed to go to his older brother, Esau. And what's Esau's response? He hates him for it. And he wants to kill him. We might even say, Rightfully so. 
After all, Esau's blessing from Isaac, the second blessing that comes, is essentially him being given the crappy leftovers to Jacob's prime rib filet mignon blessing and birthright. Esau and his family will get the exact opposite of Jacob, and in the end, Esau's family will be the servants to Jacob's family. And so no harm comes to Jacob. Rebekah, who overheard Esau's plan to kill Jacob, sends Jacob away to her brother to stay with him until his brother's fury turns away, until his anger turns away from him, and Esau forgets what Jacob did to him. Good luck with that, right? Sounds like Jacob is going to be away for a long time. Now, I hope that many of you have not experienced wanting to kill a sibling like Esau did. But if you think about being given a a blessing that was supposed to be yours, that will last for generations, it's probably something that you're not going to forget pretty easily. Isaac then blesses Jacob before he leaves, and he tells him to marry one of his uncle's daughters. We'll talk more about that next week. We're here today to talk about the journey that Jacob takes to get to his uncle's place and what happens along the way. Which is, he spends the night in this place, this open country as you can imagine it. And since he probably rushed out of his house in a hurry, fleeing from Esau, he forgot his pillow. So he has to lay his head upon a rock. Super comfortable. And as he sleeps very soundly, I imagine, he dreamed. And there was a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And then the Lord goes on to say, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Now these words from God are no different than the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob as he was fleeing. This blessing of Abraham, that what God promised to Abraham would be fulfilled in Jacob even though he was the youngest son and was not deserving of it. But it is what God had promised would happen while Jacob and Esau were in Rebekah's womb. And God keeps his promises. There are many things in God's word that we don't want to forget. And one of them is God keeps his promises. Another thing we don't want to forget is that God is always with us. And that's what Jacob realizes after he wakes from his dream. He said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Remember, Jacob was a sinner. And even sinners don't realize that God is always with them. It took dreams, the angels, and God speaking to him for Jacob to realize that God was in that place where he was. And then he says, How awesome is this place? 
This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. The image that we're given here is is that this is a place where heaven and earth meet through God's revelation. God makes his presence known to his people, his house, where he reveals himself to sinners like Jacob. Where and where God is, the gate of heaven is also. And that gate is open. Now that Jacob had this dream, is he going to stop sinning? And stop lying and deceiving and cheating others? Well, of course not. Is God going to be with him and bless him and love him and keep his promises even though Jacob continues to sin? Of course he is. And that's where the story of Jacob is a story that can be reflected in our own lives. Now, you can maybe make the connections to your own family, but let's make these connections to our church family. Now, some of you have been here your entire life. Some of you have been here for a few weeks. Some of you, maybe this is your first time here. And so for some of you, church family is everything. Because you have wonderful relationships with people here. People that you are the closest to. People that you spend the most time with. They are people that you know the best. It's also possible that you're sitting here today thinking that church family is everything to you. Until it isn't. Because even people who are a part of our church family can lie and deceive and cheat us and hate us for what we've done to them. And we can lie and deceive and cheat and have people hate us for what we've done to them. And that's because a church family is nothing more than a group of people who are connected to one another by blood or adoption who are also sinners. We're all sinners. Me, you, all of us. We all sin. The church is not perfect. And the people of God, we're all connected to Jacob. Jacob, waking from his dream, doesn't undo all of the wrong that he did. It doesn't change the fact that Esau is still out to kill him. It doesn't undo the fact that Jacob is a sinner. That Esau is a sinner. That everyone in the world is a sinner. What it does mean is that even sinners like Jacob, a liar, a cheat, a thief, God loves him and is with him and will never leave him or forsake him. We're all Jacob. We lie. We cheat. We steal. And maybe the verse that stands out to me most is when Jacob wakes up from his dream and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. How often do we go about our normal everyday lives, our normal everyday business, whatever that might be, And we don't really focus on or realize that God is with us every step of the way. 
in every place that we visit, in every person we interact with, in our work, in our play, in our retirement, at the gym, on the treadmill, in the car, at the dinner table, awake, asleep, and everything in between. That he's with us in our life, and he's with us in our death. Now, while Jacob was certainly not dying out there in Bethel, as he later names it, his life was in danger. Esau wanted him dead. And maybe that's what he deserved. When we think about the way we live our lives, whether it be in our homes with our family, here in this place with our church family, who may also be the family in our homes, or outside of these walls with any of these people. The things that we do, the way that we treat others, the things that we do towards them, say towards them, the priorities that we have in life, the way that we treat God and how we live our lives. What are we deserving of? For all of our lies, our deceit, our greed, our hate, our lust, our envy, putting everything else above God, neglecting to love others, neglecting to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our life is in danger. It's in danger of death. And that's what we deserve. For all of our sins, we deserve death, condemnation, suffering. We deserve hell to be forever separated from God. For all of Jacob's sins, he deserved death. Yet amidst it all, Jacob, who later in Genesis becomes Israel, and his people become the Israelites, which becomes the people that God promised Abraham would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand on the seashore, which is then all of us, we're the descendants of Abraham. And some of us, many of us, maybe are even the descendants of Jacob and his brother Esau. Now, these two brothers don't have the best relationship. Two brothers who are sinners, two brothers who are deserving of death. Through it all, God's promise is that Jacob and his offspring, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. All families. Your family, your dysfunctional family, your broken family, your sin-filled family. And that's just your church family. Your church family that even gathers in worship and doesn't recognize that God is in this place with us. And why is that? Because we're sinners. We're sinners who are worthy of death. But we're sinners who were promised that we would be blessed through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob. And that's because from the family of Jacob, sinful though it might be, comes our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God. He comes to us amidst all of our sins, amidst all of our forgetfulness towards him, amidst all of our dysfunction, amidst all of our brokenness, 
amidst all of our denials that we're sinful and forgetful and dysfunctional and broken. And he comes into our world. Heaven coming down to earth. Just like what Jacob saw in his dream. And actually, Jesus would confirm in the gospel reading that you heard today that he is the one who's there, who spoke to Jacob. He reminded him of the promise that he would always be with him and that all families would be blessed through him, through Jesus, who knew no sin, yet he became sin for us. And there on the cross, Jesus died for us, for all of our sins, taking the death that we deserve, taking the condemnation that we deserve, the suffering that we deserve, taking the hell that should be ours. And he bears it all, the weight and the burden of our sin on his shoulders because he knew it was the only way, the only way for us to receive the forgiveness of our sins, the only way to fix the relationship with God that has been broken because of our sin. The only way for us to be reconciled to God the Father. The only way for us to receive eternal life instead of eternal death. Salvation comes through Christ alone. And his resurrection from the dead proves that Jesus has won the victory over sin, death, and the devil. And salvation comes through faith alone in Christ alone. And thanks be to God that he has given us his Holy Spirit to create faith in us, to believe in him. And by believing in him, we have the assurance, the promise that eternal life is ours. And Jesus also gave us a promise, just like he did to Jacob, that he is with us, that God is with us all the time, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And God is especially with us in this place. Because he has promised us that this is where he would be found. He is with us in his means of grace, in his word, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, in the words of absolution as he gives the forgiveness of sins to us, as it is proclaimed to each and every one of you. He is with us as we remember the cross and what Christ did for us. And as a church family, this is exactly where we need to be. Not for my sake, because I tell you that you should be here. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because we should be here. But because this is where God wants us. This is where God wants to give us the blessings and benefits that he has given specifically to his church this very specific place where God has made it clear that this is where he is. And this is where he can always be found, whether we realize it or not. That is why we need the church. Not because God needs us, but because we need him. And it is here where he gives us exactly what we need for all families, for all people. And the family of God is nothing more than people who are connected to one another by blood or by adoption. 
the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for us. The blood and water that flowed from Jesus' side after he died. The water that comes to us in the waters of baptism where God calls us as his dearly loved children forgives us our sins, gives us the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit, where he claims us, adopts us, if you will, as his very own children, marks us as ones redeemed by Christ, the crucified and risen one. And then he gives us his body and his blood in his supper for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation. Why does he do it? Because he loves us. Because he knows that we need it. And he wants to give it to us. And because we're his family. And he wants to bless his family. Because he is always with us. And because he and he alone keeps his promises. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.